This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Loki Episode 4, The Nexus Event. What's so funny? Come on. You're, it's like, look at your eyes. You like her. What? You like her. Does she like you? But she prunes. I mean, no wonder you have no clue what caused a Nexus Event on Lamentus. Both of you are just swooning over Mobius. each other, I guess. Tell it's me the, the apocalypse. Truth. Two variants of the same being, especially you, forming this kind of sick, twisted romantic relationship that's pure chaos that could break reality it's breaking my reality right now what a incredible seismic narcissist you fell for yourself Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is Derek on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Loki Episode 4, The Nexus Event. Yes, welcome to The Nexus, fellow Defenders. This is John, one of your other hosts. And rounding out this trio of variants, I am Chris. I prefer to call it The Empire Strikes Loki. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Yes, it is the, The Empire Strikes Back episode. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. As long as you've seen the post-credit scene, it's not as uh, scary an episode as uh, as I suppose it may have been otherwise. But we have a lot to talk about with this episode. We have loads of great feedback to get to, which means we don't have time to talk about all the big news from this week. We don't have time to talk about Good Omens getting a season two. Our, our biggest show on our podcast, the one that's got the most downloads, is Good Omens, and it's got a season two. Don't have time to talk about that. Don't have time to talk about Black Widow coming out in cinemas from next week, from the 7th of July. Woohoo! Uh, Next MCU movie, first one in over two years. No Woo-hoo! time to talk about that. No time to talk about the holidays that Chris is taking next week. Whoop, whoop, no, whoop, time whoop. The, no time for that. All we have time to talk about is Loki. So let's get into Loki. Okay, then. In that Kent, you know what you have to do. Derek, can you tell us who gave us what? Absolutely, yes. Uh, once again, head writer for the show, Michael Waldron. Um, the episode directed, as all, as all episodes have been, by Kate Heron. And the episode was written this time by Eric Martin, a new writer to the Marvel Universe. Uh, he has worked with the writers. He's been an assistant uh, to the writers' room on Rick and Morty and on Community. So uh, he has worked with a lot of comedy people and a lot of people involved in this show as well. So uh, that's kind of cool. Yes, and if you jump over to Twitter and follow us, Mr. Eric Martin... Um, at Mr. Eric Martin. Uh, he's giving away some behind the scenes, some nice tidbits. Yes. It's, it's an interesting tidbits. Yeah. Nothing that you, things that you could probably guess, but at the same time, one or two, like, ooh, that was interesting to know. I think there's one we're going to talk about uh, when we get into our variants for the episode. But, John, ooh. do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode four, the Nexus event? Sure. At the Time Variance Authority headquarters, Judge Ravona Renslayer takes the blame for the loss of the variance. Renslayer is taking this very personally, as she had the original mission of bringing Sylvie in when she was a child. Mobius is tasked with retrieving the Lokis to restore the sacred timeline. Meanwhile, Sylvie and Loki wait for the oncoming apocalypse at Lamentus One. Sylvia explains that as soon as her existence threatened the timeline, she was scooped up from Asgard by the TVA but escaped and has been on the run ever since. When Loki reaches out to comfort her, a brand new variation of the sacred timeline occurs, allowing the TVA to pinpoint the variants and bring them back. Now recaptured, Mobius tortures Loki with a memory from Asgard, and when Loki believes Sylvie has been pruned from the timeline, he reveals to Mobius that all of the TVA is a lie. 
Everyone there once had a life that was taken away from them and wiped by the timekeepers. Mobius investigates Loki's claims and learns that Hunter C-20 was pruned as soon as she learned the truth and spoke to Renslayer. But when he tries to free Loki, he is pruned from the timeline. Hunter B-15 also learns the truth about her past and makes a plan with Sylvie. When Loki and Sylvie are brought in front of the timekeepers, they learn that the heads of the TVA are just mechanical figures and work together to take out their TVA guards. Believing they've won the encounter, Loki attempts to share his feelings with Sylvie before he too is pruned by Renslayer. As Sylvie threatens the judge to find out everything about the true TVA, Loki awakes in another place. With four other variants of himself looking on, they need to get a move on soon. As we said, so much to talk about this episode, lots to get to, and we will definitely get to the post credit scene uh, at the end of our variants. Let's uh, skip right into variant one, um, escaping Lamentus one, or as I've been calling it, Loki finds love in a hopeless place. Ah, oh, nice. There I like go. it. Nice reference. <laughs> uh, yes. Or as I like to call it, I was bashing my head going, what? No. <laughs> Well, this is the opening scene, effectively, where we we finally do learn Sylvie's history. This was probably my biggest complaint about episode three, an episode that I don't think hit really hard with all of us. I don't think we were all uh, completely taken by episode three, a couple of things that we didn't really like about it. But this yeah. specifically Except was for the, the meteorites. Uh, yeah, the meteorites hit definitely very hard uh, in that episode. Uh, but Sylvie's history being held back in an episode, which was all about them learning about each other, I felt uh, was a bit odd last week. Um I mentioned that we would bring up something from the writer of this episode's Twitter. This was specifically something that he called out that this was supposed to be in episode three. This was the original ending of episode three. The two of them sitting there waiting for the apocalypse to happen and a battle with the TVA was supposed to happen at the end of that episode. And we would have learned the history of Sylvie. We would have had that moment where we would understand who she was, where she came from. And it is only a minute or two of screen time um, with the wonderful Kaylee Fleming, uh, an actress that I know really well from uh, from Walking Dead, uh, one of the best new characters introduced in the last four or five years, but playing the young Sylvie being uh, taken from her life uh, in Asgard. We, we learn all about that history. We learn about the idea that Sylvie's now been on the run for probably 15 or 20 years, running around different timelines, hiding away from the TVA as they followed her over and over again. I think it's a... I thought that's a really important detail to know about this character of Sylvie. So you get to like her and Loki gets to like her, um, which I didn't feel was in the last episode. Agreed. This should have been in the last episode. Mm-hmm. This yeah. would have been this beautiful ending of the two of them sitting just there yeah. versus, okay, I understand that they, they wanted that. Oh my God, how are they going to get out of this moment? Yeah. But actually, the despair of the two of them just sitting there, this scene, and then the two of them just looking up mm-hmm. to see the, the destruction coming down, that would have been a much, much harder ending. Yeah, um, definitely. But I understand why they didn't, because you got this ending mm-hmm. as well. So two back to back. Would have been awesome. It would have been, but I can see someone... I see. We would have enjoyed it. I can see certain people going, oh, this is too much now. No, They, did it, they did it in Dallas week in, week out. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, or, or Murder, She Wrote. Or, um, or it was the entire series of all the Netflix Marvel shows where they had a cliffhanger every single episode, but at least you could just roll yeah. on to the next one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, 
ultimately, you know, you watch it all the way through. Yeah. I mean, this is the the cutting and slicing with weekly shows. It's yes. you know, do you get it right? Ultimately, certainly when they're doing it like this, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, they they could have re sort of jigged um the the scenes in order to have. You know, that's, that, that, um, the, the stuff on, on Lamentous One between Sylvie and Loki and, and with that mini flashback, um, at, at the end and then straight in this episode with everything going on at the TVA. So you didn't miss that with them then being picked up, you know, um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, but still it was nice to have. And I mean, you know, watching it now that they're all there, yeah. it, 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 it's fine. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it was a really good opening. I, I really liked it. I thought, um, just that <laughs> I was like, they're really brave. They seem to be having a really calm conversation mm-hmm. given the amount of meteorites hitting down. So I, yeah. I was half expecting, you know, are they going to take this into a dark territory where, you know, it's almost like sort of a bullet, a, a bullet going and hitting them because there were so many of those mini meteorites. Yeah. And then I, and again, this whole visualization of lamentous one's apocalypse with this planet or moon coming towards them. I loved how it broke up into bigger chunks. Yeah. Uh, seeing these huge chunks, uh, sort of hissing into lamentous one, uh, you know, up to the, the, the final one that is kind of like tsunami like coming towards them. Yeah. Um, just before they're picked up. But I, I thought, I thought that was all really good. And yeah, same with yourself. I, th- I think the whole flashback, you know, seeing uh, young Sylvie mm-hmm. sort of just being taken like that um, from, I guess, the palace of Asgard, really. Yeah. It's kind of like really shocking. Um, it, it is almost a kidnap. Um, well, yeah, they, and, they arrive, no explanation at all. Yeah. Just drag her out of her timeline and, and drag her to the TBA with nothing going on. You you get that, you know, this impression as the show has been going on. They do this constantly. They've been taking people out of their timelines, giving zero explanation, pushing them through this really bizarre situation that we saw Loki go through in the first episode and then bringing them to court. And this is a little girl. This is a girl who's probably about 10 years old who's being pushed through this with no help from anybody. You know? I, I think because it's Odin, it's almost like I felt they should have done a courtesy call to <laughs> Odin and, and just say, well, you know, sorry, um, but we've got to take her out because she's uh, broken from the, the sacred timeline. Well, I the- guess Odin would have just said, what on earth are you on about? Mm. Um, which... I guess would, uh, yeah, sort of disrupt their plans. But so it does call out that they wipe the entire timeline after taking that's young true. Loki yeah. away. Yes, so they do. The younger version of herself away from that timeline. They completely wipe the timeline. So there is nobody left there um, so for her to return to. I think what I really liked about it is because you see that scene and it is quite jarring because mm-hmm. they're taking this young girl and she's, you, you see her going through the same process that Loki did in, in episode one, you know, um, but I, I really like then coming back to the impending apocalypse on Lamentis One. That I, I thought it was really quite a powerful um, sort of suggestion that Sylvie says that she's, you know, she simply goes, "Just being created, the goddess." You know, she emphasizes mm-hmm. the goddess of mischief. 
the TVA show up as they alone, uh, you know, considered that a big enough deviation to be plucked from um, that timeline mm-hmm. and classed as a variant. And I, that, that was really kind of, um, that really hit home, I think, to me. And, uh, but I, it linked really nicely, um, between those two scenes, um, yep. certainly. Uh, and certainly then just, you know, this steep branch are uh, from the sacred, mm. uh, timeline as well. Which was, um, I guess to do, as you say, with the suggestion of Loki finding love in, in a hopeless place, or at least, you know, about to sort of do something. Self love. Un- yeah. Some unthinkable sort of, uh, expression of feelings, um, to someone else from him. Uh, I'd- well, something that Loki's never done before, never thought about anybody else other than himself before, and suddenly he's, falling for himself <laughs> effectively well yeah. like we like we discussed just before um we we started up the podcast it is you know rupaul's mantra of if you can't love yourself uh how are you gonna love someone else <laughs> yep. and um, i guess Absolutely. he's taken that straight to heart and yeah, so very much. this yeah. is the most loki thing that has ever happened this is absolutely i think it's even called out later on by mobius where he says um how narcissistic of you to fall for yourself effectively yeah. so it's it's absolutely that he's he's seen a connection uh with her here i was wondering because and i and i know it plays out differently later on but i was wondering if this was something like the new timeline was created and is going so fast because this is two loki's two very powerful loki's coming together you know i know they've already confirmed in the mcu uh, Back to the Future is BS. That version of time travel is total BS in, in their version of uh, of time travel. Um, but this is the thing of why you can't meet yourself in a different timeline or, if, or a different past. I was wondering, what, was that what they were going with? Two Lokis who've combined together who are now working together. And then that kind of gets thrown asunder when we see multiple Lokis working together at the end of the episode. But I was wondering what, whether it was that, whether they were just going with... Um, the two of them accepting each other and working together. And that's why this timeline spike is going up so rapidly. They even call it out. This is the fastest anyone's ever seen a split from a timeline, possibly becoming the brand new sacred timeline or the brand new timeline. Um, yeah. So that's why they had to get in there as quickly as they do and take that action. Yeah. So when I was watching it, I nearly threw a cup at the TV um, <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, are they going to go down the route of love is going to save Loki? And I was like, Oh no, don't tell me like love is the sacred love is the secret thing, the secret sauce that saves the sacred timeline. I was like, that is most <laughs> kind of like BS. But I think what we're learning is that A Loki is an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. It is pure chaos, energy, magic, whatever you want to call it. Put two of them together, acting in unison. Mm-hmm. That's why the timeline spins so fast, because a lot of the other, the reason they have taken so many variants of Lokis is because of this chaos he, he, they bring into the universe. Yeah. So when you literally add them together, you are getting this nexus event nearly of pure chaos energy, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because when we think about Scarlet Witch uh, or WandaVision, uh, the chaos magic elements there. Yeah. 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 What I believe they are starting to set the groundwork around is very much around this, this new, this new energy of chaos magic, chaos energy, timelines, multiverse. They're, they're 
I have to, hats off, I have to admit, they're laying a beautiful groundwork, foundation for this new phase. Yeah. yeah. In going into Quantum Mania, going into the, the, the multiverse of madness mm-hmm. and far from home and all these other, um, these other multiversal, apparently multiversal episodes, films, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, I, I walked back. As it got more and deeper into the episode, I walked back that, oh God, it's not love is going to save the world. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I, cause it, like that, that's a, they are above that writing trope. That is, that is the trope that has been yeah. around yes. for so many decades. But you're absolutely right. This is without doubt, this episode is the episode of Loki where I say, make sure you're not, uh, you're not live tweeting it. <laughs> make sure yeah. you're not having instant reactions because things change so much throughout the episode. It's the one that had, Everybody, I feel, from a lot of the reactions we got on our Facebook group, which actually don't make it into our feedback, which we'll talk about later on, but a lot of the reactions that we got on our Facebook group were literally just people typing WTF. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it, because so many things were going on as they watched the episode. Uh, the feeling was, oh God, what is happening here? Yeah. You get to the end of the episode and things are resolved and we're setting up a big story as we go on, but the things that were happening moment to moment uh, are, are pretty massive. Uh, I think that's it for the initial uh, variant. Let's move on to variant two, our next our next variant. They've been taken back to TVA and both of them had separated. Mobius gets to... Um, interrogate, I guess, uh, Loki, or at least uh, punish him for running away, <laughs> which is what it feels like to begin with. Uh, variant 2 is uh, a little bit about the time loops as punishment. Um, I absolutely loved seeing Jamie Alexander back as Lady Sif. Uh, really hard done by, didn't return for uh, the big moment when uh, the Warriors 3 got murdered in Ragnarok. Um, felt she was kind of hard done by. She'd been involved in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a character, came back as Lady Sif there. So she actually had a big storyline that never got resolved within the Marvel Universe. It was just kind of said that she she had been killed, uh, like everybody else had been in Asgard. Um, so it was great to see her back in this role here uh, as Lady Sif, um, and just constantly beating on Tom Hiddleston as as Loki for uh, for cutting her hair and, yeah. for, and playing a prank on her. But it, I think what's most important about it is the line itself. She's actually saying to him, I hope you know you deserve to be alone and you always will be. So it feels like he's done loads of pranks. People are always annoyed at him for the pranks that he's done. But it's her saying what she says to him that has stuck with him for his whole life. He actually says it hasn't. But you know it has because Mobius has pulled this out of his memory to put to put him into this time loop over and over again, and it's because of what she says to him. I think very much so. This is something he did in the stories, uh, like the original, the OG, the non Marvel, um, yeah. <laughs> the, the original Norse, the original Norse flavor. You know, yeah. um, I was there back in the day. Anyway, um, Chris is two thousand years old. Just so you know. just hey. <laughs> And I don't look a day over 1,500. There you go. Um, I enjoyed this because, well, one, I know when they were filming that the amount of times Tom Hiddleston got beaten up and uh-huh. slapped and um, his uh, twig and berries got uh, need. Uh-huh. Um, wow. <laughs> I hope he wore a box, to be honest. I know. They have to. Or, just, like, or yeah, he has a stunt person. Box. He, he is the, the leader of the show. I'm sure they got a stunt person in. Uh, to, to play the lower half of his body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, uh, knee and pause. Okay, <laughs> stunt lower half body person, come in. Um, I enjoyed this. I, I thought this was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me Sorry, too. When I say fun, it's a fun interpretation of that 
that technology that they have to create a cell version of that. Yeah. Um, Because I thought, I was like, oh, he just left him in in there. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not, that's not, okay. It's just like, they're just putting him in, like, they're putting him in uh, a a cell that looks like Asgard. Um, But it's the split to much later where we see or the sorry, the the jump, the time jump, too much later, where we're able to see this consistent time loop has actually broken and done what it's intended. In yeah. that he he is showing remorse. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Like I, this is something that's been used in Doctor Who before. This this idea of being trapped in a loop over and over again. But I think the concept of it only being three and a half seconds long, effectively, just enough for her to come in, knee uh, him give out to him, say the line to him, and walk on. That's basically it over and over again, which means he never gets that opportunity that the Doctor always does in Doctor Who to actually work on the person and convince them that this timeline's different because it's just resetting over and over again. So they didn't go for the... It is very Doctor Who, this show. We've said it before, but they didn't go for that trope from Doctor Who where he convinces the person that he's stuck with to help him out and get him out of the situation. He's stuck there. There's no way out. He's just going to have to put up with it for as long as he's being made to put up with it, basically. Yeah. What I was just going to say is what I'm enjoying is the non-stop. They are moving this character to essentially the just before Infinity War. They're like there. And to an extent, the character growth is starting to go slightly beyond. Yeah. So within, okay, yes, what has been nearly, what, three and a bit hours, um, his own film, essentially, mm-hmm. they have caught this character up from a character growth perspective. And in what I'm feeling is that we are going to end up, fingers crossed, towards the end, the good anti-hero Loki. Yeah. And probably beyond that, the multiversal hero, if you will. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Uh, anything else about the time loops punishment or the punishments for the Lokis? I think the only thing is just, and I guess it brings us on to our um, variant three, is, you know, just before Mobius puts him into the bad memory prison, um, that, you know, Loki, I guess he's wondering what the hell that, that red, uh, time door is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, danger. Uh, but it, it's, uh, he says that the TVA are lying to him, to, to, to Mobius. Yeah. And of course that, that kind of kicks us into our, our third point about both Mobius and Hunter B15, uh, are learning the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, as all, as did C20 through, um, the, the enchantment, um, being used by Sylvie where she's accessing the memories, but they're able to, to see them. And Mobius doesn't know this, but it effectively, this kicks him off into, um, investigation mode and I, I guess he you know he he's he certainly is suspicious of, Re- of Renslayer uh, who's acting a little sketchy uh, mm-hmm. with him uh, for sure uh, but here we see that anyone who has learnt this truth so we see that C20 is getting um, gets pruned she, she's killed Renslayer is lying to Mobius uh, but Mobius is having to um so sort of investigate uh, because coming back from the the time cell um then Loki expands on that you know 
TVA are lying mm. uh, to him that he said to Mobius. And of course, you know, inadvertently, this is then kind of kicked into B-15 where, you know, Mobius drops this idea that um, the TVA are lying and that it's not, not all as it seems. And she's got that personal um, experience of it. Mm-hmm. But um, as well, I, I guess it's with being in that time prison um, and cell you know, here Mobius saying that it was to soften him up, uh, but ultimately it has in some respect, but not to the ends that, or to, to the, uh, it, it's not to the end that Mobius wants it. For Mobius, it's about questioning him around what happened. Uh, for Loki, as you say, um, he, he's realized through the, 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 the fable effectively that has happened in that time cell. Um, you know, just how truly alone he can be yeah. by the way he acts. So, yeah. um, and similarly, this sort of speaks to how alone both Mobius and Hunter B15 have been. You know, they, I guess there's been these detached, um, sort of decaying waves or signals of their past whether it's with the jet ski and maybe Mm -hmm. it's something else with b15 and it's gradually becoming um sort of real for them that they can feel this loneliness themselves from being effectively like sylvie plucked out of the the timeline that they're in Mm -hmm. by uh, the tva agents but um I, i thought this was just really good how and i liked mobius sort of stealing the tempad from ravona and mm-hmm. uh, to see that testimony of uh, c20 and um, and just the sketchiness of of Rensley, i thought she was really good here you yeah. know you really get the sense that she i mean she's always got an excuse hasn't she but you get that sense of her sort of deflecting yeah. uh, Mobius all the time here. Um, and I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, just because you can sense they thought they had that history. Uh, I guess the interesting thing is with Renslayer, to what extent has she got clearance to know this and has known this or is another type of TVA employee. Yeah, exactly. Effectively. Exactly. Like we do find out at the start, she's the one that, as we, as we mentioned in the synopsis, she's the one that took Sylvie. So she was one of the Minutemen, just like Hunter B15 was. She, she was on the, uh, in, in that side before. And now she's a judge. What does that really mean? We'll, we'll probably learn more of that as, in the next couple of episodes. But you do kind of wonder that thing about, um, all of the members of the TVA being pulled from main timeline and then having their memories wiped. You wonder how often that happens. Is this like, the men in black thing where um, they literally are hitting people over and over again and wiping their memories over and over again, giving them a blank template all the time. You know, there's that kind of reasonably consistent conversation that's going on between Ravona and, uh, and Mobius when he's in her office, kind of pointing out the items that are in there. He was, he asked before, did that come from one of your other agents? And she goes, Oh yeah, some, yeah, well, another agent, it wasn't from you. And you're kind of thinking maybe it was from Mobius, but that, mission has been wiped from his mind maybe he did go on the mission maybe he's had the same conversation and maybe effectively ravona has been his handler the whole time trying to establish a relationship so he doesn't go off track uh in, in and, and follow up on these thoughts that he may be having these memories that he's having of the jet ski um but it does end with um mobius being pruned from existence in 
a pretty shocking moment, I, I, I thought, because uh, it's the, your other major character uh, in the show here. Someone as big as Owen Wilson being wiped from the timeline. And again, this is the live tweet moment where you're going, oh, I'm not even going to talk about this. I want to see the rest of the episode before I know what's happened here. Because did that just happen? Is is Mobius yep. gone? Will we never see Owen Wilson yep. in the show again? <laughs> I, I, I wait. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. We'll get to it later. The ending alone, I wish we didn't get the post credits because that ending, I was in shock when they pruned Mobius. Uh I was like, that's bold. I literally, I said those words out loud because I was like, to be fair, Owen Wilson is one of your biggest stars outside of Tom Hiddleston. He is, I hate to put this, Hollywood elite. He's, like, he's a big, he's he, a big actor. Definitely. He's a big yeah. actor, and like, someone I never expected to see in the MCU as well. Yeah, and the fact that he gets his going away line, where he's going, maybe wow. I'm, maybe I'm back in time yeah. on a jet ski. You know, maybe yeah. you know, well, he, that's he talks about the jet ski again, and that's kind of the goodbye moment before he gets pruned. It was the classic wow uh, <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was shocking, and it, it's it's because. With Loki telling him the the truth, or at least what Sylvia's told him that they believe to be the truth, which is that they're, you know, they're all variants. And you see Mobius saying, no, you're lying. It's just another one of, of, of your lies. To then, you know, seeing the footage of C20, mm-hmm. realizing that, uh, you know, where she's uh, pleading to Renslayer that she had a life on the sacred timeline and, and that, you know, she, she's pleading to her that these were her reality. Yeah. Um, and that he then says, you know, when he goes into the time cell, um, you know, I'm going to have to trust two Lokis because he's, he's had to do a, a 180 to, he's, he's fake, you know, to, to believe him. And yep. you just then, that moment of yeah Renslayer waiting um and just quite dispassionately yeah. pruning um or sending her, her uh, guards Mobius. to prune him yeah um yeah. i have to say there was a lot of pruning going on in this episode yeah, which i made me giggle um uh, to be honest uh, whether you're a prune as juice, a gardener <laughs> well exactly i was like are you is it a lot of gardening it, oh. it's just the term i it just kept me sort of chuckling away to myself every time prune him i was like <laughs> oh short back in size please um or you know something to that effect um, I, I do i do like the mcu thor tie-in to the term of pruning when we, when we got first introduced to thor in his own movie he talks about the world tree which is kind of the the yeah. norse mythology version yeah. of the entire universe that's how he, how he describes it and here we have the timeline being treated like a tree where they're cutting off branches effectively. So I like that little tie-in as well, given that we're talking about the Norse god of mischief here, um, yeah. which is, which is really interesting. But, um, but yes, there's, there's, uh, one other question I'm wondering about because, you know, it's not an on-screen pruning. Is C20 actually gone or did they put C20 into some other location to find out information from her? Um, I didn't, there is, Obviously, the discussion, and we see the camera being turned off effectively uh, from the tempad that that uh, that Mobius has stolen. But it was one of those ones where, I'm, where I was going, "Has she been sent somewhere? Has she been sent off to get her mind wiped and then put back on the job again, or something?" So I don't think pruning is death. 
Mm-hmm. I think that is net. We we pretty much that pretty is much know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty much know that, and I think is with everyone. I think it's a single teleportation device mm-hmm. in that it sends a Loki to one world where all the Lokis go to that one world, all the Mobiuses go to this world, okay. all the C twenty. I don't. I think that's a bit too far fetched. I okay. think it's literally everyone goes to this apocalyptic Earth where, like, it, once you are pruned, you are teleported to there. Okay. It is this essentially a Star Trek t- trans a teleporter. And I yeah. was I was wondering whether it was just that they got sent somewhere and their mind was wiped at the same time, and then they start going back through the motions again. So Mobius gets sent back to uh, to another place in the TVA headquarters, mind wipes and walks back out thinking he's a member of the TVA again or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it, it's it's not death, but it, it, it's moving them. I guess it's it's almost filing them into an alternate timeline actually. that's not considered the, the sacred one, but where maybe it's just one way of travel unless you're with the TVA or, or something. I guess that will become apparent, but um, I, I, I must say at this moment, though, yeah, the pruning, it was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and to, to B-15, that, you know, they attempt to go after her and, it, you know, she's been compromised if you see a pruner effectively. Yeah. Um, now, I think she's, she survives. She does, definitely. Um, yeah. she just gets knocked to the ground, um, later on in, in the kind of throne room, I guess, yeah. for yeah. the, for the timekeepers. Um, but certainly, um, you know, I think all the way through this, I think, uh, with Hunter B15, like with Renslayer, I liked the, um, the, the way that, you know, B15 was kind of just off kilter all absolutely. the way through this, really nicely portrayed. Like, absolutely. Um, this is why you cast Wunmi Masaku in yeah, that role. Exactly. Like, she effectively is a stormtrooper from the beginning of the series. She's just someone w- that, that captures people. But you give her scenes like this because she's an actress as good as she is. We saw her in Lovecraft Country. We know what she's capable of. We saw her in his house, an excellent, uh, very uh, scary horror movie, kind of, uh, from from England. We've seen her in these in these roles before. And when she started out in the series, it was go- we were going, great, she's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's see what they do with her. And she's been a background character and just a bit of a badass, yes. saying a couple of comments here and there and standing up to Loki. This episode has the scenes that show why she's here. The moment where she brings Sylvie back to 2050 in front of Roxcart and gets her mind restored, effectively, her memories restored. And it's all done with the rain falling. And every bit of emotion is just written on her face. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And it's a a wonderful scene. Uh, And and once again, another great role for Wunmi Masaku. She's absolutely someone to watch. We're going to see her in movies for the next 10, 20 years. uh, And hopefully great performances every time. Did you think that was an homage to Blade Runner? I took that. There's a there's definitely Blade Runner homages throughout this De- show. Yeah, I, I yeah but exactly like just what, that yeah. one scene, I yeah. was just like, that was yeah. just. I I went, yeah, okay, like without oof. a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's still a beautifully played scene. Like it's just when she says, "I looked happy," um, yeah. and that emotion of that sort of flooding to her, that yeah. that memory. Um, yeah, it, it's it's straight out of um, Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I saw a couple of people were like, oh my God, I really wish they had shown us what she saw. And I was like, no. No. From, well, okay. Everyone can have their own opinion. That's the fun part. Yeah. But for me, it was like, no, the, the emotion 
on her face, the tears that you could see, the joy and the single tear that was washed away by the rain. I was like, oh, just like that's your for your consideration scene. Absolutely. Like 100%. That will be on her uh, her showreel for a very long time, I would say. I would say. Um, Yeah. So those are pretty shocking moments, but great moments for for character development. And again, Lost in Mobius is a a massive moment in the middle of this episode. But we do get the one that we've kind of been waiting on because the timekeepers have mentioned throughout the series so far. Very for meeting the timekeepers. Source of. Uh, I think we should probably start really quickly um, just to mention that the scene, I think I saw a load of people say this, but the scene itself where we have the three alien looking timekeepers sitting in their chairs, impossible to understand without subtitles for at least two of them. Uh, I couldn't understand a word yeah. they said until really? they rewound it back yeah, yeah. and put on the subtitles. It's because one of them is supposed to be serpent-like and is speaking with a serpent tongue, but it's completely yeah. obscuring his, his dialogue. Uh, and then another one, I can't remember what the other uh, the other one looks like, but again, almost reptilian, uh, and it, it seemed to obscure the actual vocals coming in. Yeah, it was the two that formed the bottom corners of the the triangle, um, mm-hmm. like the the top one right at the at the top of the triangle. Um, I guess they were nailed to the wall. Um, I, mean, I guess so that they didn't move. Um, no, they were slowly hovering and moving in a floating chair. Because I, I looked at it, I was like, he's bobbing or is a camera bobbing? Yeah, I, I, I thought that was an interesting choice that they were kind of, it, it almost felt like, you know, um, sort of a deer head after a hunt, right. except they had kept them alive or something. Um, Speaking but, of interesting choices, an interesting choice to have three massive robots uh, <laughs> leading the TVA or being the timekeepers of anybody ever needs to meet the timekeepers send them to this room and they'll uh, they'll shout at them for a minute um what did you think of this of this ma- massive moment i suppose because we're no closer to knowing who's in control of the tva now well we got our wizard of oz moment we called this yeah, yeah. like we was like there's a man behind the the the, the, the do not look behind the screen mm-hmm. and that's essentially what we got but we just don't ne- we have yet to see the wizard Exactly. Um, which is very interesting. Again, this is how I don't know, and I'd love to hear from our, our, our fellow defenders on this. I'm too close. I've listened and been thinking about this show, and I've been very deep in that. Like, what I was really hoping was to get someone who's not as kind of steeped in this uh, is to kind of go, did you expect that this would do a Wizard of Oz thing? Or were you were they actually expecting, like, dog lizards from space? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um because I, like, we called it episode two, I think. Yeah. We basically said, like, they're not, it's going to be a big front, just the depending on who the wizard is. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of expecting it. And when they showed the actual timekeepers, I was, okay, there's more to it than this. And mm-hmm. I was expecting, actually, what I was expecting is when the sword was thrown, it to pass through. Right, and like be some form of hologram yeah. um, and like a hard light or something like that. And a bit more, I actually was thinking of a humorous like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Someone like kind of just <laughs> slinking out of like a hologram. Uh-huh. Um, so it's interesting they went with animatronic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mindless android. Yes. Quote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm interesting to see who it is. It, it felt that the mindless android did it fit it as well just 
the the aesthetic and and the technology of the whole TVA with added um, yeah. and I mean for me it was about you know, because you, you have Renslayer going real badass with protect the timekeepers, real call to arms to her fellow agents to, mm-hmm. to protect them. Um, and, you know, she's, she, she can see the, de- the detached head. And um, Sylvie's keeping her alive because she wants to know who's behind this. And I guess the question is, does Renslayer know? You know, yeah. was protect the, the timekeepers just that sort of, um, that purposeful lie to her agents does she know that they're they were mindless androids mm. which is, i is, is what i guess we're going to see in in the next episode yeah. um or, or is, is this just as much of a shock to her no. um as it is to loki and sylvie when they see that it basically um they are not the timekeepers that everyone in this building seems to think that they are so yeah. i i really like that um, it could be right behind the curtain. There's the real versions of these three timekeepers who are just hiding there, and those they're decoys in case somebody attacks them. <laughs> no, but I, I, do, I do feel like Red Slayer uh, knows all about this. It feels like this yeah. is the room where you bring people to um, to if they ever need to see the timekeepers. This is the room you bring them to uh, to, to show all the pomp and circumstance of the TVA effectively. But yeah. You know, you, you wonder she's, she, as I said, she's moved up from the position that she was in before. She was a Minuteman. She's now a judge. She's obviously been in the TVA for a long time. She knows a lot of secrets. She gets regular audiences in this room, uh, with maybe the real timekeeper, uh, or maybe the real person behind the TVA. She's certainly been here before, but, um, but yeah, she certainly knows a lot more. And I love that this is how the episode ends after the battle between, uh, all of the members of the TVA. It ends with, Sylvie versus uh, Ravona. Sylvie looks to have an upper hand here, and Sylvie's asking the question: um, "Tell me everything that yeah, about yeah. the real TVA." So that's where it's ending. Uh, I was weirdly, I was getting at that point in this episode, just as it got up to that moment. I, t- I think I turned to you, John, and I'm kind of going, "We're here now. We're at the end of the series. We now know the Timekeepers are here. Loki's in the room. This will all be resolved in this episode. What are they going to do for the next two episodes?" And then the fight kicked off, and then we have. Loki declaring his love for Ravona, and yeah, did he though? He he is about to. He's, he's about, about to. Say to. Those words. Yeah, it's suggestive. Um, I love he's I love like, that she keeps yeah. pushing him, going. Just say what you want to say. What is it that you want to say? Are, are we supposed to go somewhere? What is it? What's the information you want to impart to me? And then he just disappears. Well, it's perfect. That you know the classic narcissist, the lovable chap, uh, cheeky chappy, um, who. Who is the one person that he can express his feelings to? It's it's himself, yeah. um, and it you know just the it's they're what kind of you know they're the same they're so the same it it's just not true and yet they're also different because one's male one's female so I mean this is just like this is fantastically bonkers quite frankly mm-hmm. um, and and but then. Um, you know, the, the narcissist loving himself and it sort of the pruning that moment where you think it's death because you've not had the mid credit scene and it's yeah. like, oh my God. Um, really? And then, you know, you kind of, I guess at least, at least for me, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking about, oh, this is just a charade or something like that. Yeah. I was there going, because of the significance of Mobius dying, and certainly because like Loki had just called him his friend, 
you know, at least just being drawn into the actual scene, mm-hmm. I was, was fantastic because, you know, you saw the meaning of Mobius being pruned to Loki in that instance and then it happening here. And so it was just like, oh, wow. They, they've kind wow. of killed him twice. Um, wow. this is like, um, this is significance. Oh, yeah. Again, another classic. Wow. I'm really um, sorry. I did make John watch the supercut of, uh, of Owen Wilson's wows last night from all of his movies. Ooh, so he does wow. have it on set. So yeah, really yeah. sorry. Do you know what would have made the scene just one tiny bit better? If it had been Coulson who'd come back and <laughs> wipe uh, Loki from behind exactly the way he was wiped roughly two or three days beforehand in Loki's yeah. timeline here. So um, so it, it is a scene where he's taken out uh, from behind, looking the opposite direction, just like poor old Coulson was when he first died. So first before, <laughs> before we move on to our final variant, can we just take a round table? Who is behind the curtain? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um. I, I right now there's not enough information for me to guess anyone other than Ravona is in a much higher position than we think she is. Maybe okay. she took over the TVA at some point to get it to move her from that that um level that she was at the the uh, Minutemen level to move herself up to being in this judge position. Judge seems to be a very high position in this organization. So, uh, so right now she's the only person that I think has been on screen. And there's one character coming in from Marvel Comics, Kang the Conqueror, who is a time traveler, well known as being a villain, uh, has been cast and is going to be played by Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country. This would be a great place to bring that character in. Yep. Do you introduce a massive villain for future movies in one of the Mar- MCU TV shows on Disney Plus? We don't know. This is only the third one. So, um, so it's, I think that's also a possibility. I like that one. I like that one. I have to yeah. Finish. It makes sense. Um, it's certainly the one I'd be going with. Otherwise, um, I, I wouldn't be entirely sure unless it was Mephisto. Um, <laughs> joke. Uh, but I, I, to me, that all makes sense. It's Kang, to be honest. Um, and it, it links in quite nicely with, with everything else. Otherwise, it is something completely different. Yeah. Um, that again, maybe, um, just builds into, uh, what's going to happen into the movies. So, you know, related to, related to Kang or associated with Kang in yeah. some way. And um, so I, I think it feels like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I like that one. I do like that one. I'm just not quite sure if that's where they'll go introducing that character. Yeah. I had one quirky one. Mm-hmm. It's Loki. Right. It's, it's a, it's a Highlander-esque um type thing where there can only be one Loki across <laughs> all of time and space. And essentially it a Loki has made his way. He was essentially set to be pruned and managed to go beyond the TVA. Beca- basically became the man behind this um and is now in trouble. And it's this Loki that has been doing it so that his timeline is always the one and all the other timelines are not there. Cool. Yep. Uh, and I thought that would be an interesting, a very Highlander-esque, there can be only one. That's why he's taking it and is why there's more Lokis, because his chaos energy is more powerful. And I just thought like it would be fun to have Tom Hiddleston go against Tom Hiddleston Absolutely. at the end. That is, that is where my thoughts are right yep. now. 
I like um, it. I like it. It'd be like Vision going up against Vision in, in one yeah, division. We exactly. have Loki versus Loki uh, at the end of the show, yeah. And Loki being successful in his plot to take over the CBA. I like yeah. that. So that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah awesome. no, that would be a good one. Very for sure. Cool. Um, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out if how it works in terms of the beginning, but because mm-hmm. um, obviously he's developed a lot of tech in the meantime. Um, but that's conceivable. He is a god. So, um, but, you know, it certainly makes sense for sure. Yeah. Um, but that, that's all, the thing. Yeah. It means potentially the sacred time. Well, we knew the sacred timeline was, was a, 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 a false narrative in that sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, that would be really, and it connects him with his glorious purpose, I guess. I mean, this makes him, Yep. In himself, very glorious. Yeah. So it's either that or it's Miss Minutes herself. Miss Minutes is actually in charge of the whole thing. Um, so, did you want to know really? They have yeah. not credited who the voice actors for the uh, Timekeepers is. And I went, "Do you know what would be fun? You know, the Benedict Cumberbatch was Dormammu. Uh huh. What if Tom Edison is the Timekeepers? Was the Timekeepers there? <laughs> that would be good because he's known to do voices. Yeah." yeah. I was like, that would be a nice... And that's literally where my brain then started cascading. <laughs> Speaking of uh, special guest stars, let's close out our variants with the mid credit scene, I suppose, because um, we've got another massive actor um, in uh, in this this final scene. Um, Loki appearing... Uh, <laughs> Loki appearing in this um, devastated New York, um, which is yep. quite interesting. Uh, you do see the... Um, destroyed Avengers Tower on the right hand side of the screen uh, as he as he just after he arrives uh, and he's uh, confronted by four Lokis as we've uh, as we've now found out we originally thought it was just three we have uh, let's let's just give them as they are titled in the credits they're titled classic Loki which is played by the wonderful Richard E. Grant. Absolutely. Yeah, love I him. Love Richard E. Grant. I can't wait to see uh, him in this role. In and the he's the one with the voiceover as well, saying yes. uh, that, you know, we need to get a move on. Um, yeah. As, as Loki's deciding whether he's in hell um, or, or not. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Exactly. And wearing absolutely, I think it's Loki's first appearance uh, outfit. But if you look close... He looks like he's been there a very long time. It's a very dirty looking version of, of Loki's outfit. It looks he looks like he's, fabulous. He, oh, he always looks fabulous, but he looks like he could probably do with a washing machine in this apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have, we have, uh, boastful Loki, according to the credits, um, which is the one carrying Mjolnir, uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, the instant thing that came into my mind when I saw the name boastful Loki was, hang on a second. If he's, got the title of boastful Loki. How much more boastful is he than our Loki? Like our Loki <laughs> was pretty boasty uh, about his experiences, about who he was in the past. This guy has to have really done a lot of boasting to get that title. Uh, we also have um, Kid Loki, a very popular uh, comic yeah. book version of Loki. Mm-hmm. And also a member of the Young Avengers, uh, as we've had a Young Avenger in um, yep. pretty much every one of the TV shows so far. And we'll get loads more in the future. Interesting. This is how they'll introduce the Loki version of one of the Young Avengers. Uh, he kind of antagonist, protagonist, and uh, and also member of the Young Avengers. So it's Loki. He's always, always pretty mischievous. But this is a version of Loki uh, that kind of was created at a much younger age, but he's still as mischievous as uh, as you would expect. Yeah. Um, but I really like the character. I've read a couple of, couple of the, uh, comic books that he was in. He's really cool. And finally, we have uh, Crocodile Loki. Um, awesome. We're, we're calling that a lot of, a lot of uh, dispute and debate on the internet as to uh, whether it's crocodile or alligator Loki. Uh, neither of which are in the comics, but this is a reference to the fact that Loki does 
uh, change into animals and has in the past. He's been a goat. Uh, he's, he's has changed into various different animals. So this is an animal version of Loki. It's also a reference to Throg, who is the frog Thor. Right. So right. I was like, yeah, okay, well, this makes him then Koki or Crocky. Uh, croaky. The, the croc- I like I like croaky. Yeah, croaky. croaky. That sounds quite good. <laughs> I wonder if Crocs will bring out a line with the little head piece uh, on the front of the the croc of the shoe. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never know. That would be quite cool. Um, so yes, a big shocking moment. Uh, we're now on what looks like uh, a New York filled with Lokis, um, but. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. It was definitely the moment going, Oh, I want to see the next episode now. Um, I think the episode would have suffered a bit if it hadn't been in there because, um, it felt like a massive downer in a show that's had a lot of fun with the premise. Yeah. It felt like a massive downer to end with dead Loki effectively. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big reveal for the end of the episode. Yeah. No, huge. And it's just. It was an interesting choice not to give it that because, yes, you could have ended it on such a, as I joke, the Empire Strikes Back type. Oh, my God, it is literally our hero is dead. No more. The world is ending. And Uh then we get two hours left of it. Um, But no, it was was fun to see. And it was a fun introduction. Yeah, it was a fun introduction. I mean, I was not expecting a mid-credits scene and I would have loved this episode anyway uh with the big moments um like because unlike empire strikes back it's a week's time till you see the next one um and you know it i just thought it was absolutely ballsy that they they took out uh mobius and uh the loki that we've kind of grown up with the mcu uh seeing and um that was great for me um this with having Richard E. Grant in the was icing on the cake, plus the others, um, was just awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was not expecting any kind of mid credit thing. I was just waiting, thinking, oh, that'll be, you know, episode six. Um, certainly no expectation that there was going to be this little, uh, sort of little gem of a, a scene, uh, mid credit, uh, on episode four. So like great surprise again. So, I mean, this just was like full of wow. Moments. <laughs> Absolutely. True. The, the, Absolutely. The big credit for the final scene is, um, Val, uh, or, uh, if you, Val, if you're nasty, recruiting Sylvie. There you go. For that her could, thing. That absolutely could be it. Uh, or just Kid Loki. Uh, maybe she's or Kid Loki. Val recruiting a Loki. Val recruiting something. Remember, TVA symbol upside down spells Val, as we exactly. know. Um, I, I only have one other note for the episode to talk about before we go. Uh, it's just that line from um, from Mobius being so annoyed at how difficult it is to capture uh, Loki. He says, because we brought in Kree, we've brought in Titans, we've brought in vampires. Ooh, Big ones there. So Titans would be possibly they've taken in um, Thanos in the past because Thanos didn't stick to the timeline where he was supposed to destroy the galaxy or destroy half the galaxy. Uh, Kree, um, major characters in, in um, Captain Marvel and in Guardians of the Galaxy, Kree, uh, yep. and major characters in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Um, and vampires like Blade, which is uh, the upcoming movie. Um starring Mahershala Ali in his uh, other MCU role. Um, so, yeah, we have a, a nice reference here that they do uh, do things other than uh, take out gods and take out humans. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Well, we do know there is also uh, another vampiric 
uh, multiversal character that should have been in, we should have seen by now, but we'll probably see next year. Mm. Uh, Morbius, yes, um, over and, the Sony um, Marvel Universe, yes, which is a multiversal is part. Who knows? Maybe. Um, and then in terms of Titans, uh, we do have the the Eternals coming soon, mm-hmm. so they. Mm-hmm. Technically, we're on Titan, so theoretically they're Titans. Kind but of. We'll, we'll get into that later when we do the film. I have one note. One nitpick, I think, is and it's one that stuck with me throughout this whole episode. They really fixed the timeline pretty quickly from the last episode, where Absolutely. they were giving out and create like everyone was going crazy. Yeah. If you remember, the episode before last, end of episode two, we literally saw the timeline going close to breaking point. Yep. Yeah. Where it was redlining all over the place and everyone was running. Within the space of a couple of hours, everything is fine and everyone is good. Like, that was just... They needed to... There's a missing scene. There's yeah. a missing bridge in that that we just didn't get. And I was like... Because when we did get to see them in... We saw the timeline and we got to see uh, Mobius and everyone in the TVA. We saw it was it was fine. It was, it was not red lines. Yeah. It was restored. Yeah. So it was just a, a line or a scene would have been helpful there because, yeah, it just it, they were like, "This is the end of the timeline." Ah, yeah. Everyone running around. I totally um, agree, and I know that the the in universe explanation for that is going to be the time moves differently. The TVA. This could be a week on. Yeah. We're we're seeing uh, we're seeing Loki and Sylvie on the planet. And they're only there, you know, 20, 30 more minutes, basically. But the time that's gone on the TVA could have gone on longer. But yeah, it would have been really good to have one line from Ravona maybe going, oh, that was a difficult couple of weeks uh, cleaning yeah. up the timeline and getting that all resolved or whatever, <laughs> whatever line they needed to to say that it took them time or or was difficult or whatever, just to reference back to episode two. But yeah, I, I agree but with you, Chris. That, that's kind of what I took um, the the whole scene. I know they were talking about closing the the case, um, but that's the whole scene with Mobius and Renslayer where they're having a few whiskeys. Mm-hmm. That's what I took that was that everything was back okay because we saw all these branches going mm-hmm. off. Then there were loads of TVA agents going through the doors. So... Um, you know, and I mean, I I just assumed that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. so for me, that I didn't really have too much of an issue. I know what you're saying; it wasn't really covered, but I guess ultimately that was the device was to get her into um the into the TVA, and and it wasn't to see what chaos it was causing on all those planets, yeah. but. Um, maybe there's something to come. Who knows? But uh, I kind of took that whole thing in uh, Renslayer's office to be kind of yeah, all all, oh, all, all kind all of calm. Yeah. You know, because we were close to chaos, that kind of thing, um, for sure. Um, the only note I've got is just just one line. I just thought it was really good at the start. Um, where. Uh, on Lamentis, um, because I just love that that scene with Sylvie and Loki. So, you know, they're all very melancholic. Um, it was kind, of, you know, with the, the impending apocalypse. Um, and I thought it was kind of, kind of nicely rueful. I guess uh, is being destined to lose what makes a Loki a Loki, which I thought was kind of quite that nice. A really good line. Really, really good line. Uh, it did just occur to me that moment on uh, Lamentus. We were talking, we were actually talking about this, John, and completely forgot to mention it, about the fact they're getting missed constantly by the meteors. Um, it did occur to me that 
Uh, again, another possible in-universe explanation for this. Sylvie says that she's been traveling constantly and hiding in the apocalypses. There are only so many of those that you can hide in. So potentially, she's just been on this planet multiple times and sat in this particular moment watching the apocalypse before getting out of there. So she may know that these two stones perfectly placed are the exact place to sit and not get hit by meteors. She just might know that because of the many times she's been to this place. Uh, Well, she says she grew up there effectively on the edge of the apocalypse, and this is where she will ultimately so just, meet, don't, meet her don't, end. don't step over there to the left and <laughs> two places to the left or yeah. else you will be hit by a meteor you know she's just been there a lot maybe maybe that's what it is uh, i think that's it for everything about the episode overall but uh guys i guess that leaves us with how do you do you defend the episode um chris do you defend loki episode four the nexus event i do surprisingly no um no i really enjoyed this i i thought there's not much more i can add to our discussion points on this um aside from yeah, like, the one thing I, the two things I bumped up against in some of this is completely outstripped by the, the what we, we were given. Um, and the, some of the, the moments, the touchingness, uh, the lines, the cinematography, the choices and the decisions, the plots, it just was fantastic. And it's fast becoming, I'll need to give this whole series one more watch, but mm-hmm. it's fast becoming one of my favorites. Right. Um, just, Based on the, the the zaniness, if you want to call it that, like it's something it's prob- so unusual, yeah, exactly the the the, the uniqueness, they rather than zaniness, the uniqueness of the series. Um, so yeah, uh, I completely defend this. John, do you defend this episode, of Loki? I absolutely do defend this episode. Uh, it's the best episode for me. Um, right. I give it five bad memory prisons out of five. Um, I just thought this was really good it like nice kickoff it was all kind of downbeat and melancholic um and to be honest it just kind of went further downbeat and i really kind of liked that i thought it was really affecting with the the prunings both of c20 assumed but certainly with mobius and um and then with loki like real kind of massive moments um and you know, it almost to the point where relegated in fourth place is the fact that the timekeepers are, are all fake. They're just mindless androids. So th- this was great kind of set up previously, uh, really sort of bringing it, um, with, with all these questions. Um, you know, the Renslayer becoming sketchy, um, effectively the dispassionate way in which she effectively Got her agents to go after the, the, the TVA Minutemen who knew the, re- the, mm-hmm. the real situation. And then just that final little mid credit scene with just that lovely array of other Lokis that mm-hmm. are looking down on Loki as, you know, few. He's not dead. Um, and I guess I would have come to that conclusion over the course of the f- next week if, um the you know it hadn't been there and the last thing we'd seen pretty much was loki getting pruned and sort of vaporizing out of existence um and i think that's what was just so great this is real ballsy kind of um storytelling to Mm -hmm. be that kind of definite and 
okay, we know n- now why, but it doesn't change the fact that this was just a really fantastic, fantastic um, episode. So, yeah, this is five bad memory prisons out of five. Um, turning it, obviously, into good memory prisons now that I know that uh, Loki's not dead, but also, um, I guess, that hopefully Mobius is is uh, re re not redeemable but it is recoverable i guess there you go. Re- um, recoverable, yes. which i think could be quite nice <laughs> man I, the idea of a planet of own wilson's uh wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing amazing uh yeah really like this episode as well I totally defend it there's nothing really else i can add to, to what you both have said except it was so good to see kelly fleming in the role as young sylvie uh, i want to call yeah. her it again really really cool to see her there i'd love to see her more because i know what she can do she's such a great actress over on walking dead so uh, i wish we'd seen a little bit more of her but now she's in the mcu playing young sylvie we may see her uh in the future uh, on this show or maybe in a, in a movie in the future so that would be very cool and yes once again calling out one of for that amazing scene in the rain uh, i thought that was such a cool moment um Time for a drink, I think, off to the pub. We do have time uh, to get to the pub quiz this episode. Uh, we do have loads more uh, feedback uh, to talk about in a moment, but let's go to the pub. John, do you want to give us our pub quiz question for this week? Yes, fellow defenders, fellow quizzers. Um, do you like a good old drink uh, like the timekeepers? You know, so much so that you're slurring your words uh, whilst you're plastered onto the side of the wall. Um do you want to grab uh, a celebratory whiskey for a great day uh, closing your your respective cases whatever that go. may be um then yes it is pub quiz time it is question 4 for episode 4 question before returning to sylvie hunter b15 sees a poster on the wall what does it ask and what is the answer there you go <laughs> so there's a poster on the wall. What does it say, basically? Yeah? Basically, John, that is it. <laughs> John, do you want to give us the question one more time? Certainly. Before returning to Sylvie, Hunter B15 sees a poster on the wall. What does it ask? And what is the answer? Uh, remember, answers through to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com for uh, this question, or join them all to pull them all together in a final big end of series email through into us again at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com mm-hmm. Absolutely, we're still looking for uh, our goodies for this uh, this particular giveaway. Uh, part of the reason we just noticed really is that they've been trying to keep so much secret that even the original Funko Pops of Mobius and Loki won't be released until I think it's August, late August uh, of this year so well after the series is out. So there's not a huge amount of official merchandise out there other than t-shirts because those generally come out pretty quickly but uh, we'll get something together. As you know it will it will be a good uh, set of goodies for the pub quiz. But please keep sending in the answers because uh, it's been enjoyable reading uh, your thoughts as well. Uh, speaking of thoughts, let's get over to our feedback section guys. We've got lots of feedback in this episode. Um, we were kind of commenting on that with one division, there seemed to be our listeners contacting us straight away from the start with so much going on. It seems like we're at the tipping point with uh, with Loki, where everybody wants to talk about this episode. Yes, 100%. Starting with the one and only Jerry, who sent us an email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, where he said, Hey guys, episode four had a bunch of what the heck moments. The Lady <laughs> Sif time leaf, hilarious. Morbius being pruned, heartbreaking. Time Variance Authority, a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese androids, very Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Loki pruned, what the? 
the end credits scene with all the Lokis, it looked like a, a new ACDC <laughs> album cover. Excellent. The implied Loki loves Sylvie is narcissism at its best and also uncomfortable. Cannot wait to hear your thoughts, Jerry and Niceville. Um, I did think you were starting to go for haiku at the beginning. Um, but yeah, if you can turn the next email you send as a haiku, that would be amazing. Just <laughs> you can do this. You can, I believe in you. Absolutely. I love the idea that uh, that this is an ACDC album cover in the in that final scene. Yeah, That's me very too. Cool. <laughs> I'd buy the album, and I'm not a big ACDC fan. So, uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, thanks so much, Jerry. Uh, also on email, we got an email in from Victor Von Doom, who says, Hi, Derek, Chris, John, and fellow defenders. Well, a lot to unpack here from the episode. Nice to see Kaylee Fleming from The Walking Dead as young Sylvie. How did the TVA contain the explosive time bombs? Sorry to see Mobius go down, or is he in another timeline, same as Loki? Would B-15 killed in the final battle or just incapacitated? Uh, Loki came close to confessing feelings for Sylvie, another version of himself. How would that even work? <laughs> Ravona better sing like a bird for Sylvie. I love the Brenda Lee ballad on the end credits, dating myself here. The group of Lokis encountered in the end credits scene kind of confuses me. Was that an alternate Thor with the hammer? Is the reptile a Loki, a pet, or the future Midgard serpent? As always, looking forward to your podcast and Defender's feedback. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Oh, P.S., Forgot to ask, who built the Timekeepers? John, help me out here. Beside Tony Stark, one man has built many robots and androids. Doctor Doom. Well, that is absolutely <laughs> true, Victor. Love it, Victor. it is. Um, Doctor Doom does love tinkering with uh, robots, androids, you name it. He likes to do that. Plus, Shield likes to get in on the action of of robots as well. well with life the, model decoys, exactly. Yes. Um, so. Definitely, um, a few people like, like to construct a good old, uh, robot, mm. um, for sure. It's Dr. Doom. <laughs> but Dr. Doom would be awesome because I can see, um, I can just, I, I really hope Feige likes those two together because I can just see how it works so beautifully, um, in my mind. Dr. Doom and Dr. Strange together. Yeah. Yes, that would be cool. Are they all wearing green hooded outfits, the, uh, the timekeepers? Because if they are wearing green hoods, he tends to put green hoods on all of his, uh, on all of his, uh, yeah, Doom bots. Yeah. But they, they, <laughs> I think they had green faces, or at least one of them did for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, the, just to some of your points here, Victor, as well. Um, yeah, the alternate Thor was actually, um, boastful, boastful Loki. Boastful yes. Loki. Um, so one of them had to get their hands on, on me all there. If there's, if there's infinite versions of Loki, one of them had to be. Oh, they, yeah. it's in the Agent of Asgard series. Yeah, Rest and the Crocagator Loki um, <laughs> as well uh, was definitely a, a mischievous Loki. They stalk around in the depths and you don't know till you've been hit by one of them, I, <laughs> I guess. Love, I, love, I love the idea that it might grow into the Midgard Serpent, but I, yeah. I don't think they're... they're it could be enough. like Lake Placid in Asgard. <laughs> that would be quite good. Fantastic. I, I just had a thought, though. Uh-huh. What if Mobius is the man behind the mirror? You never know. Because literally yeah. his mind, they, like, essentially he was the thing and he's like, you know what? I, 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 I feel bad at the moment. Renslayer, you take over. I'm going to go be an agent. I'm going to wipe my mind for a while. And the pruning, because then you can have Owen Wilson mm. as the bad guy. Be mm. amazing. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Or even... Maybe Renslayer did wipe his mind and took over from him. Maybe yeah, that's, maybe that that's too. Happened. That's a very, very interesting thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Victor. Uh, next up, uh, May says, 
Hello, I really enjoyed this week's episode of Loki. I was hoping that Loki and Sylvie's relationship would stay more on the platonic side, but this episode steered to the more romantic path. I had guessed from the beginning that the timekeepers were not what they seemed, but the second to last scene confused me so much more than I could have imagined. My prediction is that the real timekeeper is the strongest Loki, and there will be an ultimate Loki battle. Mm. I'm hoping for some very historically accurate Lokis to show up, but then again, I don't really know what is accurate or not. I just like Norse mythology movies and shows like Ragnarok. My last question is, everyone who is zapped by the stick thing dead or do they get another chance like Loki does? Looking forward to the podcast, May. I I, I guess that everyone remains alive and is May. just transported. I mean, that's my working assumption at the moment. And that either it's just to multiple pl- different places or it's almost kind of like the 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 same place i mean i i guess the urgency that you heard in richard e grant suggests that there is quite a significant threat um on this um destroyed looking uh new york planet earth you mm. know and and maybe it is kind of like the equivalent of the office shredder where it's like in you go you just go into this planet that you're never going to come back from okay. um, something like that. So yes, you don't die by going there, but effectively your chances are more or less that you're going to die. And um, battle world. So yeah, battle world. <laughs> exactly. Um, that, that's how I'm kind of, that's my kind of working theory, I guess at, at, at the moment. And yeah, I guess accurate Loki's there's just, I guess we'll just see what they, where their imagination takes them, I guess. Well, exactly. We could have pot plant Loki, I guess, <laughs> if we've had infinite possibilities. You no, know, yeah. donut ring Loki, yeah. um, with a nice cream sort of horn. Well, we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. Uh, thanks so much, mate. Yes, thank you so much, May. We also got an email from the one and only coffee and vodka. Great combination. Coffee Vodka had this to say. Greetings, fellow defenders of the Wibbly Wobbly. <laughs> so glad I decided to wait until episode four to put anything to screen. Taken together, episode three and four make for one grand yeah. chapter filled with humor, adventure, pathos, and more importantly, continued world building. Now it's clear that episode three was primarily for the emotional bonding of Loki and Sylvie, mm-hmm. allowing for her fuse to be even more lit with the death of Loki in four. So nice to see the gender role reversal in what would otherwise have been a tired trope. I hope she, she survives what looks like inevitable implosion of the TVA. Mm-hmm. WandaVision gave us the Scarlet Witch as a Nexus being. Falcon and the Winter Soldier established Sam as the new Captain America. Loki, however, has the glorious purpose of being the bridge-building series between phases 3 and 4 and seemingly 5 in just 6 episodes. No small task. Massive. Yet they've managed to do so with timely aplomb. Greatly look forward to your podcast every week and hope you don't mind if I take a few paperweights out on my way out of the office. <laughs> Coffee and vodka. Coffee and vodka, of course, take as many paperweights as you want. Just remember, if you're going to pocket a time stone, use it appropriately. There you go. There you go. Or leave us some coffee and maybe some vodka. Well, the, co- the coffee, yes, because speaking of which, if anyone wants to leave Derek a coffee, they can go to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, <laughs> where they can buy you a coffee. There you go. Slicking that one in there right there. See what a, I did there? 
Is there such a thing as a Russian coffee? They should um, be, if yeah, not. They certainly should be. They certainly should With be. A bit of vodka splash in, keep you warm in the in the the deep depths winters. of winter. I'm sure yeah. there is. I'm sure there is. But really good point about taking episode three and four together. I know yeah. it's one of those constant things when we're doing episode by episode discussions. We love talking about episode by episode. We love thinking about the theories of the show. But sometimes when it gets to that point where you're going, do you defend the episode or not? And there's something really big missing from the episode, like yeah. I was saying about last week, where not having the reveal of the full backstory of Sylvie when you had the opportunity to do it. You know, you take these two episodes back to back or uh, watch them, watch them back to back and it all makes more sense and it's all there on screen in the full series. Of course, uh, it, it's the right way to see it, but, uh, just difficult when you're watching week to week and have to wait uh, seven days between them. But uh, thanks so much for your thoughts. Yeah. Thanks. Coffee and vodka. Next up, Chloe's back. Um, sending her thoughts about Loki. Uh, we haven't heard from Chloe since uh, since the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She says, Hello, how's everyone? Sorry I haven't written an email for a while. I was busy at school, but now I'm on my summer holidays. And I got a toy poodle puppy. Her name is Happy Harlem, and I spent a lot of time training her, and I kept just forgetting to write into you guys. She's named after Happy Hogan from Spider-Man Homecoming. Excellent stuff. You know, but we didn't like the name Hogan so much, and we're from New York City, so we chose Harlem instead of Hogan. Good Isn't they cute? That's it's very so cute. cute. Very cute. And Harlem, where Luke Cage is from. Exactly. Yes. Yes. We uh, we made a trip to Harlem when we were in New York uh, last time. I think, uh, which is very cool. Very cool. Uh, Chloe continues. Instead of writing about the past episodes, I'll just write about the one from today, Loki episode four. I found it weird that he started to fall in love with the other version of himself, Sylvie, uh, when they were close to death, when the planet almost crushed them, but was saved because their love made a branch. I also found it interesting how everyone who works for the TVA is a variant and had a life of their own before. But most of all, it's strange how the timekeepers are robots, which means someone was controlling the robots and they're the real timekeeper. To me, it seems like Ravana, because maybe that, that video that Mobius looks at finds C- and finds C20, when Ravana appears in the corner of the screen, she seems like C20 found out the truth and ended up pruning her. I'm just most curious about the timekeepers being robots and wondering who is in control of it all. I can't wait for the next episode. Oh, and it was really funny seeing Loki wearing office clothes in this episode as well. Uh, from Chloe, 12 years old. And here's a picture of Happy for you guys. Can you see the photograph of Oh, of my God. Puppy? Very cute. He, he, she is gorgeous. Very oh, cute. Okay, Almost looks like a teddy our, bear. Mm-hmm. For all of our listeners, it is a teddy bear-looking brown pooch puppy. Mm-hmm. Just, oh. Absolutely Do, do you remember uh, Despicable Me? It's basically the child goes, it's so cute, I'm going to die. There, that's what Chloe has sent him. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chloe. Great to hear from you. Yeah, and thanks. don't worry. Enjoy your summer holidays. Take care of the doggy. We'll, we'll hear from you after the next episode, hopefully. We'll always be here. Exactly. Yeah, thanks, Chloe. As an adult, we don't get summer holidays. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, you're going on your summer holidays that's next true. week. That's true. I'm going on a short two, three-day break. There There's a go. slight difference. <laughs> thanks so much Chloe let's head on over to Facebook for our thoughts from the Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries yeah first up is Heather Wallace Heather says the energy with everyone back in the TVA was excellent so much happened and there was a lot of character development the pacing was very good conversations that moved both plot and character dynamics were interspersed with big action scenes I do have a few quibbles I couldn't understand what the timekeepers were saying. And B-15 disappeared from the fight after her big rescue moment. But it was a really good episode. I'm so glad I stayed on to listen to the end song. It's an English version of an Edith Piaf song that I love. And so I was still tuned in for the mid credit scene. And what a scene. Richard E. Grant as another 
older Loki. I cannot wait to see uh, where this goes. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Um, yes, Richard E. Grant, there was classic Loki mm-hmm. uh, there. And um, I, I know what you mean about B-15, just because we had seen so much pruning with Mobius and then with Loki and assumed with C-20. Because she was kind of taken out by two of the agents, I just assumed they would then prune her immediately but i think she was just kind of knocked to the ground and and because as you know with the with i guess serpent dens or just the dens of of the um you know big bads even though they turned out not to be it was filled with a lot of um smoke so yeah i think she kind of got lost under the smoke <laughs> of the of the the chamber room where the timekeepers were yeah but um she certainly wasn't pruned and i think it was she was just taken out so i'm i'm expecting you know she will groggily sort of get up and, and then assist sylvie uh with the the interrogation of renslayer definitely um yeah. for next episode Agreed. I think that's where we're going. What we're going to see with that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the feedback, Heather. Uh, next up, we have some feedback from Alan Thomas, who said, "I liked this episode better than the previous two, but there was so much plot armor popping up everywhere throughout it. <laughs> that it is good armor, though. I'm not going to lie; it was interesting armor. See, like, I, I don't know. I usually refer to plot armor in things like you know, in Walking Dead, the main characters can no longer die because they've been around for so long. You know, and and here we lose two major characters get pruned from the show but i suppose we do see that that loki's back at the end of the episode so so maybe that's it but um but yeah uh thanks so much for that alan yes thank you uh we also have some feedback from ray felix who went what the hell happened at the end i can't (laughs) believe it i thought it was hilarious that the timekeepers were robots is this the work of nightmare or mephesto after all maybe or is it wanda creating these nexus events is this one division in Loki world? I'm trying to figure out the mystery behind the blue Franklin D. Roosevelt high school pen. Why was it significant to mention? Who is the other agent she mentioned that she was seeing? Good question, Ray. Uh, is this the work of Nightmare Mephisto? I'm going to go with no. Is it a Nexus event? Yes. Is this a one division Loki world? Well, technically... One Division and Loki are in our world because they're on our TV. So yes, <laughs> and the Franklin D. Roosevelt High School pen—I have no bloody clue. Yeah, that was where Mo- Mobius noticed the pen that he was writing with was uh, wasn't possibly Ravona's pen and possibly brought in by another agent. So that was what I was saying earlier on about potentially this it was brought in by him and his mind was wiped and he doesn't remember. That's that's my only connection to to why he why it was called out that he possibly was the one that brought it in but doesn't remember because his mind was wiped. Yeah, I I, th- I think so. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if if there's any other links to to the pen and. Um, yeah, I guess like, like Chris, um, I, I don't get the feeling of Nightmare or Mephisto in this, uh, to be honest, uh, either. I, I think it could be anything right now as well. So it really could. Possible. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ray. Uh, Dan Lee says, I really swear, but God damn, there were two moments where I said a very rude word extremely loudly. That's probably going to be my youngest child's first word now. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Loki leaving a lasting impact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but it could be even better. Your first child could be going, wow. Yeah, well, that's wow. true. Wow. 
<laughs> that is true. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Elizabeth Nikolaevic says, getting a Wizard of Oz vibe about the timekeepers now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think the gr- the green curtain has uh, well and truly been pulled back. Yes. Uh, it is uh, the emperor without clothes at the moment. Um, but who is the naked emperor behind Pulling all the, I think bu- you're mixing, pushing all the buttons. Yeah, I think you're mixing your metaphors. Just I, like he's I really <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Uh, AJ Ebersol says, first off, I love the podcast. I've been listening since I watched The Boys, and I enjoy all of your insights. I plan on listening to earlier episodes as I'm rewatching a lot of Marvel at the moment. As for Loki, my wife and I are loving this show. We had such a huge gasp when Mos- Mobius was pruned that we paused and just sat there with our mouths opened. I love that Kaylee Fleming was the young lady Loki. She is great in The Walking Dead. I also love the post credit scenes. I can't wait for next week. I also have a question for the three of you. I am trying to get into reading the Marvel comics. Where do you think a new reader should start? Thanks and keep up the great work. Thanks, AJ. Great mm. to hear from you. Yeah, thanks so much, AJ. And um, that is a serious question, which... Um could have multiple answers to i guess yeah yeah you know there's, there's some great options um getting some digital comics there's some free digital comics over on comiXology for example which is a great place to start and kind of get to know what you like if you're looking for uh marvel universe comics some characters from the marvel universe um that you want to get some good stories of i'd highly recommend personally uh, captain america's current series i think is absolutely brilliant it's a it's about 30 issues in total so uh, it's about to finish up i think in a, in a month's time he's one of my favorite characters um i definitely recommend anybody uh, reading that that book um any particular recommendations guys as to where to jump in would it, would an event comic be a good place to jump in to kind of get a a good sense of of some characters I, yeah i was going to kind of suggest that but sometimes the big events you you can get uh, at least it happens to me there's just so many different things yeah. connected to it that it can it can be really um just like a little crazy and some of it is a bit even just it, it, it's hardly worth mentioning that, that it's connected to some event but uh, one that i think is really good is world war hulk i think mm-hmm. um i think that's uh, i think that's quite nice and tight um so definitely i was thinking world war hulk um and e- even secret invasion i think um yep. is is Fair another way. good one i think they're a little bit more contained they're not quite as sprawling as say civil war was well, actually and, civil and war so is probably the one i would i would recommend overall oh, really? because it does include so many um of the, of the characters in the universe and, you, and if you read the central story the six or eight comics that make that up into that volume that's all collected you get a good story in there with loads of characters in the universe and kind of gives you an ability to kind of pick which ones you like because everybody's making this big decision as to where they fall on superhero registration or not. So uh, see which ones you're aligned to, I suppose. I was going to make a quick suggestion of Dawn of X, Power of X, which is Ooh. essentially where they rebooted to a degree the mm-hmm. X-Men universe within the Marvel comics where everything was kind of set back to a point and it was, it, it's, available in hardback and you can get all the digital copies and stuff like that but it's essentially that and that if you enjoy that there's off branches of multiple other uh like Excalibur and uh, a few other like versions of that the new x-men like so if you enjoy that that's a, a good jumping off point because jonathan hickman essentially sets the groundwork for that whole universe in that yeah. mutant universe yeah um i highly recommend spider-man as always any of the runs. Venom by Donny Cates, if you enjoy Venom. 
very, very, very good. And that went huge as multiple episodes has just finished. Uh, but more importantly, depending on where you live, check out your local comic book shop. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are some of the best and brightest in the universe when it comes to this. So kind of go in, tell yeah. them some of your films. Obviously, COVID dependent, stay safe. Uh, but if you have other questions, obviously, and you can't get into a comic book shop, ask them in the group. But they are one of the best spots. They, they, they will be able to tell you and just say one or two things. Or the other thing is, I know it, it always seemed to, to work for me, is just, as Chris said, go into the comic book shop and just look and what jumps out at you um, as well. Because mm. I, I've I've come across so many good uh, comics just by that that look because the art is part of it um okay sometimes the writing can be it uh but other times it connects i mean i you know the 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 tale i guess that i normally say is we were in paris and we walked past a comic store in in, in paris and had a, a an english section uh, and that's where we saw Walking Dead for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And I picked that purely on the basis of of the cover because yeah. it was in black and white and not many, uh, you know, it was just this wall of color and that was in black and white. Um, so, you know, that's that's another thing. Just That's how what... I got into the Ultimate Universe. There you go. When yep. they launched the Ultimate Universe, it looked like a really interesting comic cover. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Ultimate Universe tends to be what Marvel were taking their earlier storylines for the MCU. Oh, God, yeah. Universe. Actually, sorry. Yeah, so the Ultimate Universe. Good. It's that's contained and it's done. And it's like, it's a multiverse. Some character crossover. Great Spider-Man bit. Miles Morales is from that. Oh, my God, yes. Ultimate yeah. Universe. Yeah. Ask for that. So we, I hope we've helped you out, uh, yeah. <laughs> AJ, but, but it's a really good suggestion from Chris, either popping into your local comic book shop or even just sending them an email. Uh, a lot of them are, are, are ordering stuff online and can give you recommendations as well. Uh, hopefully we've helped. Uh, thanks so much, AJ. Uh, also over on Facebook, Lara Willie Swink says, oh, hey, Judith, damn. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see uh, that reference there is to uh, Kayleigh, Kayleigh Fleming, who plays uh, Judith of The Walking Dead. Um Lara says, thank goodness for the mid credit scene. After Loki's death at Thanos' hands, which was entirely too simple for the wily god of mischief, I was going to flip a table if Loki succumbed <laughs> to another ridiculous death. This was totally unfair that Mobius is still alive as well. Mm-hmm. And what created the massive timeline spike? They say you cannot find true love until you learn to love yourself. Is it because Loki is literally falling in love with himself that the universe is falling into chaos? Yep, because self-love is against the rules of the universe, apparently. <laughs> well, I really hope he sisses that walk there you in go. the next there episode. You go. If you can't love yourself, how can you love anybody else? Yes, thank you, Lara. And yeah, I, flipping a table was the least yeah. of the problems I was going to do if that was the actual death of Loki. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. What makes a Loki a Loki um, going out with a meaningless death would be, would be the result <laughs> in this episode. Thanks, Lara. Yes, thank you, Lara. Finally, we have feedback from Brandy Elise Anderson who said, Me and Mobius, WTF. Me and Loki, WT ever loving F. Me at mid credit, Black Loki. Wait, there's an alligator Loki. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, we were all with you. Uh-huh. I still think it's a croc. Yeah. Just going to say, because a croquis is more than a, is better than a, a, a lalligator, if you want to call it that. Alagoki. That's Alagoki. like allegory. 
<laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. I like that one. Okay. No, I yeah, think I think yeah, there yeah. was there was one that we saw from Esquire magazine, wasn't it, John? What was the um what was the the Crocagator? Yeah, Crocagator. The Crocagator yeah. Loki. I but like there's that, no so. Loki in there. <laughs> <laughs> well a Crocagator. There you go. It's um, an alligator and a croc with that's that's nothing to do with it's then a crocagator with horns. I just I just know there was a lot of dispute on Twitter as to whether it was an alligator or a crocodile, that was all. <laughs> uh, thanks so much everybody from our Facebook group. Again, you can come over and join us on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Got a couple of voicemails in uh, for this episode. First up, first time voicemailer, Samuel Cox. Hey guys, it's Samuel here. I wanted to try and get a little more involved in the conversation after being an avid listener since the first WandaVision episode. Absolutely love the podcast and thanks for always supplying great content. Now, into my thoughts on episode four of Loki, Nexus Event, an episode filled with one jaw-dropping moment after another. Such a change of pace from the last episode and I am here for it. The main points of the episode include the obvious, the TVA with smoke and mirrors, Grand Wizard style puppets we all assumed from the start, and that is the TVA is beginning to crumble one variant at a time, including Judge Renslayer, who knows who's known about the facade since the start. I also believe she still could be in the dark of some aspects of the grand plan from this mysterious conductor, who may or may not be her lover Kang, or he who remains. The little details from this episode sent my brain into overdrive, such as Judge Renslayer pushing Mobius to work his Loki and, an, and abusing his feelings for her to her advantage. I believe suggesting that due to the abundance of Loki variants, they also have an abundance of Mobius variants, working each to their own and then pruned after having completed their task. Therefore, Judge Renslayer would know exactly how to make each Mobius tick and comply in every, any given situation. Now, I will send a separate voice note to cover some more of my thoughts because I have a lot as I've been hiding in the dark for a while now and want to cover as much as I can. Be right back. Hey guys, staying on the Mobius train from my previous voice note, I believe that with the shocking reveal of an alternate dimension of Lokis at the end of the episode, mid-credits, end-credits, it hints to there also being a way Mobius was sent to the same kind of universe, maybe a pruned Mobius timeline, setting up a way we could get the Mobius Council teaming up with Loki variants against the TVA. Hopefully all we will see at least is Mobius turning up to the end battle in the finale on a jet ski. With regards to the other Loki variants at the end of the episode, we clearly have the classic costume done by Richard E. Grant, who was playing, shall we say, a more experienced variant of Loki, accompanied by Kid Loki holding what seems to be a lizard. It does have the Loki crown, so I assume it's some variant of Loki from the comics, which are one that I'm not aware of. A version of Loki can also be seen dawning, which seems to be Milnir. Speaking of Loki variants, our dear Sylvie is all but confirmed to be borrowing the leftover Enchantress powers from Hela in Thor Ragnarok. Her ability to restore memories through enchantments is a truly lethargic experience to watch as the walls of the false memories implanted in B-15's head fade away. Maybe they will find a way to boost this power and block the memories of all TVA members without having to physically touch each individual person. Thanks guys, I will get back to you one more time. I promise it will be the last as I have I have a way to wrap it all up. Thank you very much and I will see you in a second. Hey guys, there is more I could get into, but I do need to wrap up as I tell you guys have listened to the whole voice note at this point, and I know it definitely will not fit on the podcast. The last thing I will leave you guys with is that I would like to hear your guys' ideas on who or what exactly is behind the curtain. Could it be Kang, he who remains? Even so, which version of the characters could we potentially see? It could be a twist on Kang, 
potentially Nathaniel Richards, making him a descendant of the Fantastic Four, which has never been explicitly confirmed in the comics, I don't believe, but it would be a cool way to bring them in. Maybe they attempted to stop their descendant when they discovered his control on the sacred timeline, but since then they've been trapped in the quantum realm or some form of the TVA, even maybe in the looped time cells we saw Lady Sif appear in. This could explain their absence throughout the MCU. Anyways, this is a message involving a lot from my time too shy to join in with the conversation, so I hope I covered enough for a few more months of hiding. Thank you guys again and keep it up. Thanks, Samuel. Thank you, Samuel. Don't be hiding. Send us in some voicemails and send us in some emails as you go. You don't have to go back into hiding. Really great to hear from you. Some really interesting thoughts there. Loved all the thoughts. Loved all the theory. Loved the the Milner. Mjolnir? Meow meow. Meow meow. It's always easier just to say meow meow. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Meow meow. It's so much better to say. Uh, no, I, I love that. And yes, it does. It, it, uh, the crocodile or uh, the alligator Loki, it, again, not from the comics, but we're not sure. The he who remains theory is interesting. Yeah. I've seen it put around a few times. Yeah. I'm a bit. I, it, it's. I think it's that step too far into the comics for the for the the MCU right now, but I think it's potentially they they, they could get there in another couple of films phases. I think it's just we got to remember that those who read the comic books, yeah, we understand some of the tropes of comic books and things like that. But the, 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 for those who don't, it's a, it's a stretch too far. I do like Nathaniel Richards' option, but I think they're holding that for. To introduce them by themselves first. I think, I yeah, think, I think you probably wouldn't get an introduction like that. And I know a lot of people don't read the comics, so this is going to get a little complex. So we're probably not going to go too in-depth yeah. into that. I don't think they'd introduce something as complex as that into the show. Um, you may get a reveal of something like Mobius is is the leader of the TVA because you've had him for four episodes, exactly as you said, Chris. Um that there might be some kind of twist like that for people who are just watching the show because they've kind of consistently said they don't want to bring in things into the show that mean you have to go and watch the movies. They don't want to bring things into the movies that you have to have watched on the show to connect. They want to kind of make them reasonably self-contained, as we've seen in the yeah. last two shows. Um, but I, I don't know whether they'd open up a massive can of worms in the last two episodes. But I do like the idea of, uh, you know, maybe them introducing the Thanos of the of the of the TV universe at the end of the series and then explaining that in the movie. Um, but I just, I don't know whether they're going to go massively into depth and, and, and introduce something like the fantastic four of the TV show. Yeah. Um, in that way, I don't know whether that's going to be the one, but it really does feel like we we're getting a big reveal really soon. It's hard to tell what that reveal is going to be. Cause I don't know whether we have enough information at all for that. I, I, I mean, I kind of think maybe Nathaniel Richards is not going to be, um, brought in here mm. um i think unless that is just like mega foresight from someone in marvel yeah. because they they knew the deal was going to happen um i guess but it, possibly yeah. um i could see them maybe bringing in the character and then in three or four years going that character was actually Nathan yeah Daniel yeah Richards, well maybe. that's true yeah. that's true they yeah. could do something like that but it's interesting isn't it because i mean i i, I think for me, like the big thing would be Kang and I, I it would connect in, you know, as, as we, we, we mentioned in, in this, um, th this week's discussion. Um, but I do actually, I kind of like your idea of he who remains, um, that it could be, I think they're potentially obscure enough 
and bureaucratic enough from the comics. It's kind of like Agatha Harkness. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, maybe you only need two episodes with this character. I mean, if you think about it as well, if Renslayer is more deeply involved at this moment, I don't know whether I would buy that she would be deeply involved with Kang, for example. Yet, someone who is kind of another step up the ladder uh, in the TVA, like He Who Remains, um, could be that. um, That option. You know, because, I mean, a lot of the big things here about this series is it it's around Loki. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's about Loki. It's about his multiple versions of himself and how that plays out. And so maybe it's ju- it's it's something. Maybe that there's a bit of a red herring here, a bit like with the Wizard of Oz, like we're saying that actually you draw back the curtain. It's not a big bad. It's someone doing all the levers and and, yeah. and the 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 knobs and pushing the buttons to to give the appearance of that, and that to me fits a bit with he who remains. I must admit, I know absolutely nothing about uh, the character he who, who remains. I, it seems to be a really obscure character because I don't even know from from comic books. I've never even heard of the character. But I, I, in my mind, all I can think is it's either someone from the show, like we've seen in the other shows, it's either someone that we've seen like Ravona potentially becoming the the leader of the TVA. She's been there all the time kind of thing. Um, It's someone completely obscure that we've never met before and is just literally pushing the buttons in the background and it doesn't matter. Loki punches them in the face and then that's the end of the series. Um, Or it's someone that we're going to get to know in the future, like as we've said, Kang, uh, who will be a future villain in in the movies. So uh, potentially they reveal him here in the show. So that's kind of the the options that I have, not knowing who, uh, who... he who remains is but really really good uh voice mail. thanks so much samuel for your for your thoughts yeah thanks sam yes thanks sam we also have some feedback from the one and only steve brown hey guys it's steve and uh this is for loki episode four uh i don't think we've got a title for it yet at least i haven't seen a title so uh i did send an email earlier when i was about 15 minutes in with a prediction that uh, didn't get confirmed or denied in in this episode anyway so uh read it or not no big um but yeah another really solid episode um man i can't believe when when she blasted owen wilson i my mouth just was open like i was just like what and then just oh so many things the timekeepers are androids are they being controlled by the real timekeepers the timekeepers don't even exist what's going on um Wow, so much to process after this one and can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. I can't wait to watch it again and podcast on it as well because, man, this one is going to have us talking for a bit, I think. So, uh, but a couple of quick things before I sign off here. Absolutely loved that fight scene in the, in the chamber there with, uh, with the Loki and Sylvie fighting together. It was just marvelous. And, um, I loved, B15, I'm sorry to see her go, but that was really, really, uh, cool. The way, the way they pulled that off of her going in and taking Sylvie out and then, uh, being convinced that she's a variant. So, all right. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. Just to, he mentioned an email that he sent in. Um, he said in the email, he hasn't finished the episode yet, but he predicts that what caused the spike is that the Lokis are not supposed to t- die, just as Loki said. 
So that was, that was his theory, mm. that they're not supposed to die. So because, I think I, I, I kind of mentioned that earlier on, that Loki specifically says that too, we're not supposed to die. And just as he goes to touch her hand, the spike increases. So potentially the two of them working together is what saved them. Um, that's a very interesting theory. Um, it, it, we'll probably see it next episode, I guess. Yeah, they, they do. They have not gone into immortal territory in the MCU in the, the mm. in the aspect of the immortal immortality I should say because there's a difference between in comic books and the MCU between immortality and invulnerability yeah kind of here like Thanos was invulnerable to because he like everyone threw everything at him and he kind of only got scratched yeah. In, yeah, in Loki's durability. case, he just uh, escapes death uh, yes. by many methods, even though you see him on screen die very often. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that planet at the end or the, the New York at the end is where they dump all of the uh, the Eternals or the immortal beings that um, that they can't erase from timeline, can't erase yeah. from existence because they're actually immortal. Uh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. They can only be only one Highlander. <laughs> it's on Netflix now. Go check it out. Sean Connery is a Spaniard it in has, a Scottish accent. It's dated badly. I've heard they're remaking Highlander, and I'm. Uh, it's one movie that I'd love to see re- remade. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can. I can see that. Henry Cavill. Excellent. Once again, thanks so much, everybody, for all of your feedback. It's great to hear it. Uh, please keep it coming in. Two more weeks of Loki to come. We will be back next week with our discussion about Loki Episode 5. We are also talking about Star Wars, The Bad Batch, every week as well, uh, up to Episode 10 coming out this weekend. Go check it out if you're a Star Wars fan, especially if you've liked Star Wars animation in the past. It uh, really continues that great tradition of Star Wars animation. Um, you can find all of that over on tvpodcastindustries.com or just search for our podcast. Just search using TV Podcast Industries and you'll find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes, and if you like what you listen to, why not head on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries where for a single galactic credit, if you like Bad Batch, or a TVA book, I don't know, uh, it's close enough, uh, for that, you can do a quick old patronage to our dulcet tones to help us keep the servers going, the hamsters in the wheel running, and of course, Derek in coffee. Thank you so much for doing that. Head on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries or buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi to literally buy him coffee and vodka. Mm-hmm. Well, well, just coffee. the coffee part of yeah. the coffee. He'll, we'll <laughs> supply the vodka. Vodka is expensive, man. Don't worry about that. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, Chris, uh, you're not joining us um, next week for our Unfortunately, yes, I am bringing my beautiful wife uh, away uh, for a couple of days uh, to a hotel in Ireland because uh, that is all. As far as we can go, so we can go down the wee country, you know, lads. We'll go down the country to Cork and Cork Boy, and you know, we'll just jump in a hotel. But that means I will not be able to dial in. I will be away, but I will give my thoughts to the boys via Messenger and see what they that they can either read it out or laugh hysterically as I get it wrong. And you'll be here for a Star Wars Bad Batch episode 10, our next episode that's coming out. So we won't we'll say yes. total goodbye to you, Chris. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs> and by the way, uh, never use the Borat voice when you're referring to your wife. Uh, it's never a good My idea. wife? No, never, never <laughs> I do was that, not Chris. doing that. You I absolutely was just going, did that. <laughs> I, I mistakenly did that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, thanks, fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep pruning. For all time, always. Bye.